Check, check. Welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast by Mercy Hill Church. My name is Lawson Harlow, and with me I have two of my fellow elders, Don and Blake. Don, what are we doing today? So, um, first off, there's these are big shoes to fill today. Because the last episode was the 10th episode anniversary, mm-hmm. and I mean, we got a lot of positive feedback on that. We actually had uh, the highest amount of uh, listens we've ever had. Over a hundred. Don't say it. Let's just assume graciously. No, it was. Oh, look at there. Yeah, it was. Look We're at rolling, us. fellas. Yeah. We're rolling. We got a ga- we got a long, ga- long, gas in our tank. Long way from 12. <laughs> <laughs> so um, today... We're going to walk down my own personal memory lane oh, no. of church ministries, as well as why we are a simple church. Oh, Mercy fun. Hill. And we're going to define that. Times. And so what does that mean can often be levied against those who are quote unquote simple. But I really want to focus on one element of a simple church, which is community groups, missional community. Okay. So um, I'm pumped about this. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. So uh, this past week, and also this is going to be kind of the lost episode because we had um, technical difficulties with Lawson's body this week. <laughs> <laughs> it betrayed him. It did. For like three it was days. Leaking. <laughs> it was leaking. <laughs> <Yeah>. Uncontrollably. <laughs> Lawson's not laughing. He I'm lived not. this. He's like, you're laughing at my own personal this nightmare. Was, this was a really, it was a really rough uh, 48 hours. Yeah, so this one... Um, this episode will likely air, will actually miss a week. And this is what I wanted to pick out. This is, this is an interesting, like, for you, like, what what constitutes the first day of the week mentally? Oh. We had this discussion at my house a couple weeks ago. Oh, really? Ago. We, we had it at my house, too. No way. Yeah. Uh, Monday. That's your mental cue? Mentally, yes. Yeah, mine's Monday, too. I wish is it wasn't. It? Yeah, I capture the thought and make myself be a Sunday guy. He makes the thought obedient to Christ. Especially yeah. wherever you're <laughs> you like, will acknowledge. Especially on preaching weeks, though, it feels like Sunday is the culmination. Yeah. Like if you're preaching, so Monday feels like the start over. Gotcha. Sunday afternoon after preaching mm. is like... That's when the week starts. <laughs> it's, it's the... There's like two or three hours, mm. which is the greatest two or three hours of rest ever. Mm-hmm. This is after you get done preaching. Yeah. Yeah. So... um yeah, so this will be kind of like the lost episode because it's not going to get published until Monday. Monday, and even uh-huh. if it got published on Sunday, guess what that means? New week. It's a new week, nonetheless. Mm. So it's, it's going to be a double header. It's going to be the lost episode and a double header because if you want to listen to it, you're going to have to listen on Monday, and then we're going to turn another one our normally scheduled podcast production, which happens on we which normally on is late late Thursday night. Yeah, but we post it Friday morning. Have we posted anything on Facebook to let everybody know that this one's going to be delayed? Oh, well. Forthcoming. All right, so this past week, we're in the pastor pod. And it's just the, it's three. It's the name of the study now. <laughs> it changes every week. It's the pastor pod this week. <laughs> so we're in the pastor pod. And talking about barometric pressure. We had three people. We normally have three people, and it's like shoulder to shoulder in there. And there was a fourth person Spacious. there. Yeah. There was a fourth person in there. There was. 
uh, a visitor. Mm. He, he's a faithful listener of Products of Grace podcast. Indeed. A podcast. Is he? Yeah, he is. No, I didn't know that. It's a podcast by Mercy Hill Church. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and he was here because, and I learned something new every week. We're constantly learning. And uh, he says, like, hey, man, I'm in town because I came to Blake's house to get away because he doesn't live in the area. He's from out of town. And he says, I'm on a baby moon. Mm. I was like, bro, I don't even know what that is. You never heard of a baby moon? What is up with millennials (laughs) just (laughs) creating certain things? So I want to give you the backstory of why this doesn't make sense. Okay. This makes no sense, and you'll see where I'm coming from. So a lot of people culturally don't don't know where the term honeymoon comes from. So honeymoon dates itself back, and where, where the concept of honeymoon in our English language comes from is that uh, it was a it was a fermented honeycomb that was be found in the wild, and that would get um, it would get harvested, and what they would do is they would give that to the bride and groom a 30-day supply because they thought it would uh, promote fertility. Hmm. And so it's called the honeymoon because it was mead. It's M-E-A-D, which is a type of wine, if you will, a fermented drink that's made from honey. Therefore, you would consume the the honey wine, the mead, Mm. on your honeymoon for 30 days to promote fertility, but obviously it probably just lowered inhibitions. <laughs> so what do you why would you say baby moon? There's no correlation there. Well, well there's we're taking there. we're taking the the normal use of the word today. I, I'm not. I've never had a baby moon. But the basic gist of it is you take a brief vacation before you But you see the honey the honey There's no dry, honey. There's none. There's no honey, there's no meat. It's just it's just the baby. It needs a different word. Do you have a suggestion? No, I don't. The last hoorah. <laughs> this is it. Um, <laughs> your this is it trip. So speaking of like weird social, like, uh, I don't know if, what's appropriate, I guess. So sweet, norms. sweet man. Yeah, social norms. Sweet, sweet man goes to church here. Uh, he gets a random call this week or in, in, within the recent past that a person has identified sweet, sweet man that they share the same father, like a call, random call. Hmm. And so he's telling me this, and the whole time I'm like, okay, this is like, how do I, I said, sweet, sweet man, how do I end this conversation (laughs) with you? I don't know what to say. (laughs) Like, what do I say? Well done. <laughs> Excellent. You know, like, should I weep or should we rejoice? Like, and he goes, it's so funny that you're bringing this up because he shows me this meme and he had already thought this through. And there was a, there was like a, uh, uh, like a Hallmark card Yeah, that had a, that had like, it was essentially saying fill in the blank and you get to check the box <laughs> on like what it is. And it was trying to like, it was, he was working through like yeah. the same concept. Which I thought was like hilarious. Um, I mean, what would you say to somebody? What do you think is socially appropriate? I said congratulations. Congratulations. I really, (laughs) me and Sweet Sweet Man had had this conversation, and I did think that it was interesting. It's like I kind of tilted my head for a minute, and then I was like, cool, you have a sister. Yeah, congrats. Congrats. When Sweet Sweet Man told me, I think all I said was, wow. (laughs) 
Did you do it? Did you do it like Bo? Wow. wow, that's that's a lot. <laughs> um, so I recently got a snooze machine at the house, and it's a sound machine, but it's called the snooze machine. I'm totally plugging this thing because it's amazing. It's a real live fan. If you're out there, snooze machine. Yeah, sponsor sponsor us. us. Products of Grace podcast by mercy hill church come on <laughs> do you just add that for for like comedic yeah. emphasis yeah every time okay um so the snooze machine like it comes with an app and you can control it because my wife and i i guess as you get older like you struggle to have the same sleep patterns and when the room is still and quiet you can tell i think your body <laughs> knows when like the other person is no longer sleep breathing and you like, I think your sleep yeah. self comes out of sleep because you yeah. think they're dead. <laughs> and then you're like, you normally it's like you put your hand over there and then you touch them and then they're awake. Like what? And I was like, I, so I was trying to like, I was trying to like nullify this whole issue. Mm. So I was like, that's it. I'm getting a sound machine. So I looked online. It's like this one goes up to like 80 decibels. Like, bro, that's crazy. It is, dude. It's like you're in a plane in your bedroom, <laughs> but nobody sounds, else is there. That but you terrible. <laughs> like you can move your feet around the sheets and you can't hear it. It's the craziest thing. No, don't like that. It's so weird. It's like you're moving. It's It's like I can't hear anything other than this noise. (laughs) So anyways, the first night I get it, I'm so pumped. And Wednesday night. Yeah, I plug it in Wednesday night and I crank it up, dude. And I sleep so hard. And actually, I think that night Julie got up out of the bed and went to the guest bedroom. I didn't even, like, I was unaware. (laughs) So I was supposed to be up here for uh, Theology Thursdays. Yep. And Julie comes in. So normally I, I get up. I set my alarm at like 5.05. And she comes in at 6.40. Door opens. That machine is roaring. <laughs> <laughs> my alarm's going off. I can't even hear my alarm. <laughs> so Julie goes, this is hilarious. You're the weirdest person I know. Like You have solved a problem so well that you can't even wake up anymore. I mean, in one night. Like this, like this is the reality. And she she goes, she goes, this is hilarious. Like I almost envisioned being able if I had not yelled your name over and over. Like I would have cut the lights on, brushed my teeth, stripped the bed, been washing sheets, and the whole time I'm just flopping around in the bed asleep. <laughs> so, um, words have meanings. <laughs> so at my missional community, oh, good friend of mine. Uh, his wife is pregnant, and so the one of the upcoming uh, Sundays, normally we have mission communities. We have three mission communities. Two meet on Sunday nights. One meets on Monday night. Mine at my house meets on Sunday night, and so we're hosting a baby shower for my friend's wife, who is with child. And so we're announcing to the group there at the home, hey, we're not going to have missional community on X date because we're having a baby shower for the baby, right? And it's and I said... Do you have a shower for the baby or for the mom? For the mom, both. Both. Okay. Okay, so we're throwing the shower, and so I say to the men and to everyone, we're not having missional community that night because the baby shower is at 3, so don't be here at 6. And men, you're not invited to the, to the, to the baby shower because... And I, I turn to my friend, and I, and I tell him, because this isn't your baby. (laughs) (laughs) 
know, meaning like, like he obviously biologically is not carrying the baby. Yes. He has no purpose in being there. And that's what I meant, but it came out. <laughs> it was someone like, else's baby. <laughs> Bro, I turned like five shades of red. You should. I was like, is the, I, I mean, I had no, that was in total innocence that I said that. So, um, Julie, remind me to tell you a story after this. Okay. <laughs> so Julie is uh, keeping Lawson's child a couple months ago. Oh yeah, I love this. Yeah, and so uh, this is back before she was adopted. Quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. So she's keeping her, and I, I totally forgot. Like I'm at the office at the time, and I get a text message. Speaking of words have meanings, I get a text message, and just on face value, like I'm working, minding my own business, I get a text <laughs> that says from Julie to me, "I'm going to be a great grandmother." Oh, so I'm like biologically, how is how is this possible? <laughs> and, uh, what? I, I saw a text about incorrect. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what does this mean? <laughs> a miracle <laughs> she goes you're so weird and i go what i go oh oh i get it now you're going to be a great grandmother when you in fact become a grandmother you'll be great at it i was like oh that part of the future just for a moment dude like my family went from four nuclear members to <laughs> two additional generations <laughs> just like that um so sunny school and its history do you know where it comes from uh, i think so you think so the original use of sunday school if i'm correct was taking orphans off the street and teaching them so i found an article and sunday school started in the 1780s in britain yeah it's it's the Industrial Revolution had resulted in many children spending all week long working in yep. factories. So Christian philanthropists wanted to free these children from a life of illiteracy. Well into the 19th century, working hours were long. The first modest legislative restrictions came in 1802. This resulted in limiting the number of hours a child could work to 12 per day. Yep. Mm-hmm. 12 per day? 12 per day. day. Good God. This limit was not lowered again until 1844. Moreover, Saturday was part of the regular work week. Sunday, therefore, was the only available time for these children to gain some education. Yep. So it actually was a school. It was intended to teach to read. They used the Bible to teach them how to read. That's right. The rest of the article goes on to say that the Bible was the textbook for teaching to read. Um. And so everything I'm, else, for that matter. Yeah. History, science. Yeah. Mm. So I was I was researching this topic and came across, like, another ministry that I had... I mean, obviously, I grew up going to Sunday school, um, but I was also involved in another ministry growing up. My dad drove a church bus, so we had a bus ministry. Mm. Have you ever heard about this? Were you aware? Yeah, I know about bus ministries. Yeah. So we would get to church before Sunday school because the bus would run specifically for Sunday school. Yeah. And <clears throat> and so I think uh I think you know that leads me into so before we finish talking about bus ministry, it, it leads me into my idiom. So with that gentlemen, let's drive, let's ride, passing lane only. But let's avoid highway robbery. Do you know what highway robbery is? 
Is highway robbery easy robbery? It's a big robbery. A big robbery. It's to charge heavily for something. Mm. So, etymology. In the 16th century, during the times of famous William Shakespeare, it was customary that travelers on roads were not quite safe from robbers on highway who took lots of money from these travelers. Later, the phrase highway robbery was used to associate with anything which charged heavily, so much so that the buyer or consumer thought that he or she has been robbed by the dealer. Mm. This also comes from the term highwayman. Huh. To be a highwayman is one who commits highway robbery. Wow. I know all this. So this leads I, it's me. Really, hold on. It's really important that everyone understands that Don's face as he tells this story is filled with glee. Yes, it <laughs> is. Like this it this is captures him in a way that it captures no yeah, one else. I find great joy in this. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, great. thrilled. All right, so you may thrilled. not know about this. You may not know this about me. So researching and getting ready for this episode on essentially missional communities in Simple Church. Uh, in March 17th, 1987, in Capable, Tennessee, three armed men burst into a church, robbed 25 people attending a Bible study class, and shot an off-duty police officer who feigned death, authorities say. However... The officer was not seriously hurt in the holdup Monday night at Capable Baptist Church near Memphis, and there were no other injuries. So this happened in my life, bro. This was you? You were there? I was a kid. So it was like, when they had like precept, it was Monday night precept. Precept. I don't, I don't know, know what that know. is. This is like things the church did. Word. I know. So it was Monday night adult precept. Sounds like witchcraft. <laughs> Precept sounds like witchcraft. Going back to our first episode. <laughs> Ouija boards. <laughs> so, Monday night precept, you'd come, you would do, I don't know, this name comes to mind, K. Arthur. Yeah. So it'd be like a K. Arthur study. Okay. And like husband and wife would come. So they had to have child care. So child care would be like in the children's area where one of the older kids of the families that were attending would come and we would just like, you know, romp a room. And so I remember being in this room as probably probably first grade hmm. and parents busting in. I still remember it like it was yesterday. Parents busting in and tears running down their face thinking that, because they had just been robbed like yeah. in another part of the church. And so they come running in and like, you know, grabbing us up or whatever. And I mean, there, were, there had been a gunshot in the church. A guy got shot. This is crazy. This is real? Like, did you just remember this or something? No, I mean, I always know it's there. I just, you know, I was thinking about, like, how the church has, like, like ministries. Yeah. It's like this ministry. It was, like, Monday Night Precept. And then we had, at the time, we had discipleship training, which was Sunday Sunday nights. And then you had Sunday school, which was always before church, never after. Yeah. It was always on campus. And it seems like there was something else for like children. Oh, children's church, because you couldn't have, have like the RAs kids. and GAs. Yes, RAs and GAs. Yes. I remember making the little, the little wooden cars. Yeah, as, pine derby, pinewood yeah. derby, pinewood. Yeah, derby. Yes. yeah. So it just made me think, like, why, like, where, what, what was that? Where, what, what event what, was what, that? What, yeah, what, 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 what event was that on a Monday night? And it was preset. It was Monday night preset. Gotcha. And so, anyways, my dad got robbed. We were supposed to go to Disney World. Dang. And he had a bunch of cash on him. 
and got robbed. We still went, but they, they yanked a chain off. They robbed everybody. They said wedding rings, everything. Wow. And one of the guys laying there that got shot was an off-duty Memphis police officer, and he was so scared for his life. And when they saw the badge, I think as the story goes, they, they got freaked out, discharged the weapon, meaning to shoot him, but it went through. Do you remember this? The church accordion separators? <laughs> yes. yes. So somehow it like ricocheted off the cement wall, went through the accordion, and then struck him in the side. Mm. I think it, I don't even know if it like broke the skin, but somehow it like, like hit him. Yeah. So, anyways. <laughs> and so he just laid down. <laughs> he just laid there. They said everybody face down on the floor right now. Oh. Mm. Robbed everybody. Wedding ring. So they ended up catching the three guys. My dad, I remember this. My dad had to go to a lineup and point them out. Mm. And so this is what birthed. What was interesting was the local news companies in ni- uh, 1987 started running uh, like specials on somebody robbed a church, and uh, like our church at that moment set up a church security ministry. Yep. Before their time. Before their time. Yep. I was a catalyst. I didn't even know. <laughs> Such so, a leader. Sometimes you can go too far. Like, the security team? No. Or just in general? <laughs> like, yeah. We got AK-47 at the door. Here's your yeah. password. <laughs> Send the email out the night before. <laughs> There's an office episode for that. Remember, you can't remember it. Dwight's the manager. He can't remember oh, yeah, his own yeah, password. Yeah. Um, so on the you bus ministry. The smoke? <laughs> yes. On the bus ministry. Sorry. So... Uh, it was like trying to get the kids excited about inviting a friend to get on the bus and come to church. So it was going to be a wild animal it was going to be on the bus and to come see the wild animal. And what? so one of my dad's friends dressed up in a gorilla suit <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> and we made fake bars in the back of the bus where the gorilla was back there. Terrible idea. <laughs> None of the kids wanted to get on the bus. Really? <laughs> Why are there no kids here? I just remember, like, there was like forty kids all on the bus, and we're, like we were all on three rows. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was before so seatbelt laws. Yes, it's like <laughs> it's so funny. It's like I never remember him taking off the mask and go, "I'm just a man." Like it was like we were committed. He was to committed this. to it. Yes, I'm doing. I it. remember he was jumping around in the back, you know, acting like a wild monkey. So, anyways, sometimes you can go too far. And so I remember being raised with a movie, a very popular movie called uh, Crossing the Switchblade. So Crossing the Switchblade was a movie made in the 80s about a Presbyterian minister who went on mission to New York and, and, and made gospel proclamation to people in New York, to gang members specifically. And there was a church birthed out of a revival with mm. gang members. And so my mom like was committed to having me know these things, and so I remember watching this movie. <laughs> it's a true so, story, or yeah, it's a very oh, true story. I think yeah, I have the book. There's a you book made from it. Yeah. yeah. So um, I was thinking when I was teaching Sunday school <clears throat> at a prior church, fifth and sixth grade boys. It was like on fifth Sunday we would always do like donuts, and I cook bacon, and we'd have something other than a Bible lesson, but it would be Bible based. And so um, I thought, oh yeah, I remember mom like having me watch Crossing the Switchblade. And so at this point in time, an older gentleman in his 70s who was a deacon with me uh, had joined the class as, you know, just being involved. 
and it was his first Sunday. And so I was like, you know, I've got, I've got a man that's like, you know, it's like not just me and the boys now. It's me, the boys, and another and deacon, a witness, you know. And so I've got the <laughs> witness. Yeah. witness. So I've got I've got the movie ready to like lot like, you know, cast up on the TV. And so we start it and bro, like PG in the eighties. Anyway, so we're like eating <laughs> eating donuts and bacon and the movies up there. And all of a sudden, it shows this woman, like, on a couch, strung out on heroin, oh my talking goodness. about, give me more smack. I gotta have it. And the whole thing, and then there was a curse word. And I was like, oh my, no, 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 no. <laughs> and so like, I've made an error. <laughs> yeah, so literally, I, like, hit the off button, and I go, uh, so Mr. Don's gonna share his testimony today with you all, instead of watching the movie. And so at the end of the class, uh... The deacon who was in there goes, I can't wait to tell my wife what we did in boys' Sunday school today, that we got to eat donuts and watch a dirty movie. <laughs> <laughs> so to this day, man, I have people, like, I mean, for that year and on into the next class, like, Mr. Don, when are we going to finish that movie? Like, never. I called my mom, and I was Ask like, I don't know what you were promoting to me. It was a great idea, but obviously, like, the moral compass that was okay with, like, for the genre of movie, like, we could look past, yeah. like, harsh scenes, and it has terrible language. So, anyways. It was PG? Yeah, it was PG. It's so interesting to to me. More things than it does now. It's so interesting to me. Like you, you watch a movie by yourself ten, fifteen years ago, and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't remember anything. And then you turn it on, and you're like, what is this? Yes. So that was the moment in time. Yeah. Mm. So, so before we move into really the topic of our subject, uh, I'm scared right now. So the other, the other, so being at Capable Baptist Church. Our pastor asked a rhetorical question one day to the congregation and said, what's wrong with America today, right? And needing no response, but there was that delay. And a guy jumps up and says, (laughs) I know what it is, Brother John. He's like, I mean, the pastor just like, he goes, Budweiser. (laughs) 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 So these are like memories of like church days gone by. You know, what did he do? What did he do? He just kept preaching. Okay. Like, yeah, never like received that message received and then, and then kept going. Good for, good for him. Yeah. So when we were, uh, when we first did our website for Mercy Hill, Oh no! Thinking about thinking about like our values and how you promote that with like an artistic visual, right? If you go to mm. our webpage, it's like our values, and it was trying to focus in on our values of missional community and like how we promote <sighs> gathering on the Lord's Day. But we also want to break into smaller groups. It was loving community. Yeah, loving community, and so and so I'm like, <laughs> I, so my role here is sometimes administrative. And so it's just a watchful eye. <laughs> you, you lovingly audit the ministries yeah, that are going on. Yeah. So I call Lawson one day and I'm like, hey, this. I think he more lovingly audits me. Yeah. It's like <laughs> this picture that you've got on Loving Community, it, it's, a, it's a pub. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm going to show Blake the picture. See, it's all table. They're sitting at tables, all drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And I go, I just, I don't, I mean, I want to get in a long conversation about, you know, things we don't have to discuss, but 
I mean, this picture right here, I think there's some other picture. Goes, Are you serious? What do you think? And I go, yeah. And so later he's like, yeah, that's totally, I'm taking it down and I'm putting a new one up. So getting ready for this episode, I'm Googling like other ministries and like just ministries that people start. And one of them was, so look, I'm showing you, there's our, so there's the picture of Mercy Hill and the one that Lawson posted. Why do you have that picture? You took it when you saw I oh, screenshot it and text it to you, so I have it in my text messages. So this te- text messages never go away. So this is me sitting alone on a Saturday at six thirty a.m. drinking coffee, googling like what are random ministries <laughs> that churches start. <laughs> this one is called a bar ministry. Mm. Guess what picture they use? The same picture. It's literally the same picture. <laughs> you know, our you loving know, community is someone else's art. bar no, ministry. So here's the deal. At the time, we was, need your bar oh, ministry man. to come love us. We're ready. Did you give us a training? <laughs> oh, so how cringy! There's a there's a search bar at the top, and I typed in people talking, and I scrolled through, and like ninety percent of them were a bar or a coffee shop, but the coffee shop was always only two people, and so it's like, well, I've got to find another one, and I just didn't notice. I mean, innocently, given it was plausible like deniability is a lost appreciation. Yeah, and it's uh, like yeah. I really just oh look, yeah. there are people. Oh, that's perfect. They're sitting down. They're sweet talking. Tea. It looks like a great time. <laughs> <laughs> Different shades. That's the of only sweet thing tea. that's brown that's in all my that cup. is. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of going too far, what about what about interfaith participation? Define interfaith participation. Hmm. A a common good, um, which is being sought, like aid is being distributed for the common good, and those who are participating to provide that loving service are of different faiths. So what's so? You want me to get like narrow down? Yeah, narrow it down for me, just so I'm not super broad. Okay. Um, Specifically, it would be like an interfaith that was built around a partnership between um, Protestant and Catholic. Yeah, I mean, though though Protestant Protestants and Catholics have things that we hold in equal value, I don't think it's wise for us to do particular ministries together because we our our number one aim as Protestants is not to be a people that make life better as you descend into hell, mm. which which is why we offer a gospel, right? We offer mm. the good news of the gospel. And so as we aim to be salt and light in our communities, we do so with the intention of being gospel ministers and gospel heralds as well. It's very difficult to serve alongside someone who is going to be communicating a false gospel mm. um, and, uh, and not give credence to that false gospel. Mm. So... Um Again, walking down like my historical memory lane of different ministries. So, what what would be your response? Um, you know, a, a caution, maybe a word of warning. If if I'll just read from um, some information that I have. So, let's just let's just have a make believe moment. Okay. So, what if? And this was the opportunity. We will have an opportunity to serve the elderly in our community. We will meet at the church at 2.30 to go to the Catholic church from 3 to 5. Those in the youth ministry need to bring a drink. 
Um, but pizza will be provided there at the Catholic Church. And so it's an opportunity to serve the elderly. But yet, problematic? Blake's got something to say that he's, he's over here leaning to Lawson. Who wants to take the mic? I'll take it. I'll give you my two cents, and Blake, you and I might we might disagree here, but for me, I'm not I'm not sending, especially students, mm-hmm. to participate. Yeah. I, I don't think it's wise at all. But I'm mm. especially considering the fact that I have probably been laboring with them for the gospel for years. Mm-hmm. I don't think it it profitable to send them to someone who teaches a false gospel mm-hmm. and um, and say, hey, go do go do ministry with these people. You're essentially inviting them in the same way that I'm not going to invite someone who has a uh, let's take Church of Christ, Bethel, mm-hmm. any of these places that mm-hmm. produce a false gospel. I'm not inviting them into my house, and mm-hmm. I'm certainly not sending them my children. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. doesn't matter the purpose at that point. Certainly, I think you're I think you're placing pragmatism, yeah, and systematics above like the 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 true mystery of the gospel yeah. yeah and the power of it like yeah. and to me like it's being as as wise as serpents and and as innocent mm-hmm. as doves yeah. like and I think there's that there's that idea that we almost feel guilty like even having this conversation as if we would deny loving the elderly because we're not willing to go to the catholic church but we're only going to prescribe and be obedient to the means that God sets forth, right? Yeah. And I'm like you, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's being wise to put people in a situation where you're in an interfaith, yeah. um, you know, ministry together <laughs> in close quarters. Because um, number one, I mean, there's much that we disagree with, and it is a false gospel. Blake, anything to add? Yeah, I just think there's there's probably a lot. There are other things we could do with the time and, and the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah even for the elderly mm. that I think may be wiser. But at the same time, it's like it, there's a difference in you deciding to go do that and then we as a church saying that's what we're going to do. Mm. Like if it's your conscience, mm. if your conscience is like, man, I really want to serve the elderly and you go, go. Mm. But like if mm. we're not going to prescribe, you right. do this as the church. Corporately. And I think there's so like a, a friend of mine does ministry at abortion clinics and he says when he goes, there are multiple types of... Um, ideologies represented there, mm-hmm. right? You have you have Mormons, you have Catholics, and you mm-hmm. have Protestants. Mm-hmm. And then you have secularists who are just anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things that he notices, the very clear discrepancies in mm-hmm. the way that they are doing these things. And you've got one who sit there and pray the rosary. You've got one that is preaching the gospel. And then you've got others who are essentially shouting hateful things at these women as mm-hmm. they go in. Yeah. And that... that distinguishing mark is vitally important. And mm-hmm. as you walk by that, it's apparent. Mm-hmm. And I certainly would want would not want to cloud the water. Mm-hmm. I want that to be clear and apparent yeah. that there is a distinction. So let's say you're in a, a mixed participation of interfaith, as we've described. So, you know, we talked about in in a in past episodes, um, specifically one about worship, right? And you wrote a blog yeah. post that says, and the headline was, Is God pleased with the worship of a oh, Mormon? Yeah. So is God pleased with the ministry of a Mormon? 
This is a really interesting question. I would say no. No. Um, And the reason I would say no is because uh, you have passages like Romans 14 that make clear that anything that is done without faith is sin, Mm. and the faith that they have is not in the one true God. That's right. Because faith is not an object in and of itself, Mm. right? It's a means Mm -hmm. by which we lay hold of Mm -hmm. an object. And so if we lay hold of Christ by faith, um, and that's the means by which anything that we do will be acceptable before mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are laying hold of something other than Christ, then you're laying hold of something mm-hmm. by faith. And I would say that the faith that they have is perhaps real, mm-hmm. but it's irrelevant mm-hmm. because the object of their faith is what determines its strength. Mm-hmm. Their object is flaccid at best. Mm. Fair question. Yeah, I think that's a fair question. Yeah, I mean, it just means, like, you know, it makes me think through, like, participating in an inner faith, like, if your ministry be true because you are a saint empowered by the Spirit and you've laid hold in the loss of what you describe by faith to Christ and you're participating with someone who does not lay hold of Christ and says Christ plus or a, or a different Christ and you're both doing the work, whose mm-hmm. ministry is pleasing to God? It's mm-hmm. a fair question. Yeah. Um, so historically, like as we've seen the church, uh, you know, more in like modern times, define ministries uh, just here's some here's some ones uh some ministries and this is just coming off a, a sound christian church that i found online i was just curious kind of how they defined it their ministries are worship missions music men women children and youth pastoral internship so like pastor training and that was just a few um so my question is for the local church, is there anything wrong with catering to the needs of the community with aged-based, addiction-based, need-based, incorporated ministries? I'd say not inherently. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, it's not inherently, but it can become. Yeah, so tease that out. Like, so why? Like, so it can become. Define that. Like, paint that. I think maybe the best way to think about this is in the terms of youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's it's the longest running, maybe at this point. Um, uh, youth ministry and actually Sunday school. So, a fun fact about Sunday school is when Sunday school was. Uh, really at its peak, people would come to Sunday school and they wouldn't stay for service. Mm. The pastor would make his rounds, essentially knocking on Sunday school doors and saying, hey, hope to see you in church today. They'd Mm. come to Sunday school and wouldn't Mm -hmm. stay for corporate worship. Mm -hmm. And so essentially what Sunday school did, not... I don't necessarily know that that's changed because with my service in the past, yeah, I, I witnessed parents dropping kids off so that they could go to service and then leaving after service wow. to get their kids. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice that. That's interesting. It was a it was a pro, it was a problem. I mean something I would say yeah. was a problem. But the but the basic gist of it is it divides the body mm. and it divides the body along lines that really we see Christ abolish, mm. which mm. is that if you're in Christ you're 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 a child of God. Right. Mm. So um, you've been you've been put in the body of Christ and we should not put them out. Right. Yeah. And so, um, when it divides that line, we need to we need to look at that and say, okay, this is a profitable means of discipleship, but we need to be very careful that we do not remove these people from the body, because if we remove these people from the body, our discipleship really will not be effective. Mm-hmm. One of the questions that um, I forget who who asked this, like you might you might remember, but uh, uh, this is in the millennial generation where so many millennials after they graduate from high school never return to the church mm-hmm. and there was a quick commentator who simply said return to the church they were never in it mm-hmm. you put them out of it mm-hmm. by putting them in children's ministry mm-hmm. and youth ministry and yeah. they're never a part of the mm-hmm. body as alienated a alienated them and the second you do that so youth ministry is a great illustration of that but you can do that really within 
any ministry. So mm-hmm. you said addiction based or or even senior. Mm-hmm. I think another place we do that is seniors relegate themselves mm-hmm. into a group of seniors mm-hmm. and then they withhold perhaps not intentionally, but they withhold a wealth mm-hmm. of discipleship mm-hmm. and training of teaching young women mm-hmm. to love their children and respect their husbands, to teach young uh, older men teaching younger mm-hmm. men to love their wives, be bold, courageous men. Um, you know, those things are relegated, and it, and it causes great harm to the body. Yeah, I think it's it's a mindset thing of, like, if your ministry becomes something separate from the local church, if it's not a piece of the local church's ministry and there's always this push back to the local church, mm-hmm. then that's where it gets dangerous. And especially for students, like you can't have two separate entities yeah. because it becomes in a, in a kid's mind, it becomes, well, youth group is where I go yep. and I really enjoy that. That's fun. But then I have to go to church mm-hmm. or what we might call big church. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's a drudgery. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's a drudgery, then it's going to be a drudgery when mm-hmm. they're in their twenties yeah. and thirties. And when they're making these decisions for their own families. Yeah. I would say just in historically, like my experience was even with the bus ministry, the children's ministry was always full. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the church growth from adults was stagnant. Yeah. Yep. And that, that shows like what, you know what I'm saying? The effectiveness in a, in a way was like you weren't building a true body. Yeah. yeah. Like maybe good intentions there. Yeah. But I think it was about getting a man in a gorilla suit to get people on the bus mm-hmm. and get numbers there. But yeah, we weren't really seeing the true, you know, products of grace yeah you like that yeah that was good (laughs) i like that that might need to be the quote right in your little book like right now (laughs) (laughs) so and so it leads me to sometimes we make the i I think the the other pitfall could be that do we make the ministry the object and not the people Hmm. so meaning Mm. meaning like so my wife given some past experience at, at a certain, um, so she's in healthcare, uh, came across an individual who she said by far was probably one of the ugliest people she had ever been around. And that particular individual's name got put up for a nomination to mm. deacon ministry. Mm. And so it was like, you know, like, you know, so at that point, like, are we making the ministry like an incorporated and we just need warm bodies there? Mm. You know, instead of saying like, these are people that have a heart of a deacon and therefore they're qualified. And I'm not saying that, yeah. that you know, the, the church should be held responsible for splitting hairs and people can't have a bad day. Right. And this guy wasn't just having an off day. But, I, you know, to me, it's like we currently are going through a deacon nomination process. And Blake, like you preached a fabulous sermon on the qualifications of a deacon. Lawson, like, what do you think like that? I'm trying to tease out like that nuanced difference of like, incorporating a deacon ministry and saying we're always going to have 12 deacons uh, and we're going to put whoever, you know, the, the church nominates there to then, you know, are we looking in? I think for us, like the distinctive was, and it's really helpful for me to hear, we're searching for those who are already yeah. doing the ministry, yeah. right? There's an assumption that the Holy Spirit of God has equipped the body to function appropriately. Mm-hmm. And so part of that assumption is knowing that when we look around for deacons, they're there. Um, and, and I think, I think right now as we're, as we're dealing with deacon nominations, like that's apparent, mm-hmm. like I, it, I had, I, it did not take me 30 seconds to say, these are men that I would like to see mm-hmm. be deacons. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't require like any parsing of their, I know them, mm-hmm. right. And since I know them, it was just, it was easy as mm-hmm. it could possibly be. Yeah. Um, 
And so inside of inside of the ministries of the church, we have to assume that the Holy Spirit provides what's necessary. Mm-hmm. Mm. I want to go back to something you said, though, because I thought this was really important. Yeah, go for it. Was um, <laughs> that statement of the caring more about the ministry than the people. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what happens when we, when we grow the church, and that's a— Maybe not the best way to say that, but when we expand the ministries of the church in a way that is segregated, Mm. that essentially they become pitted against one another, and they often do become Mm -hmm. pitted against one another, um, that children's ministry is in competition with with high school ministry or middle school ministry. described as like compartmentalization. Yeah, Yeah. and the problem with compartmentalization is people want to be judged on their own merits and not Mm. the merits of the church at large, but Mm. you're not called to serve a particular ministry. You're called to serve the church of God. Mm. And so um, I've seen, seen, for instance, children's ministers gripe about middle school pastors because they spent so much time with these children, they got to middle school, and then they faded out. And Mm. it's like, Listen, that's not how we function here, mm-hmm. right? We're we're gospel people, and if we care about the souls of the people that are that are a part of this congregation, that are a part of uh, even the ministries, even if they are unconverted, mm-hmm. um, is to um, is to pray for them and long to see the development of those people, right? That they come to saving faith, they grow in knowledge of God's steadfast love and faithfulness. And if that's the pursuit, you're not busy stepping on the neck of another minister head mm-hmm. um, to see your ministry thrive. Mm-hmm. You're you're busy saying I want to be about the souls of yeah. the people that God's it's trusted. It's organic. At yeah, that it, point. It, and it, and that's really mm-hmm. this, you know we've said this a couple times lately, which is let love rule. Mm-hmm. And if we let love rule inside of these areas of ministry, what you have is people who are praying, who are discipling, who are evangelizing the areas of ministries they have because they love the people there mm-hmm. and they love the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has to be organic. It's, mm-hmm. I wish I had a better word, right? But it has to be birthed from a love of of God and church. Yeah, so this is what we're going to lean into. So, um, Blake, before I move on, anything to add? No, I think that's just the the danger. Like, we we split up ministries into age groups or into different categories because we feel the necessity to do it as the church grows. But it's like this is a constant battle between... Like we want things to be organic, but when they're organic, sometimes things get left out and people mm. get left, you know, left out. And so it's kind of a, there's always that constant battle of we would love for it to be organic, but it can't. So how do we make sure that people, you know, love for these people and love for the, the Lord be, be the main thing mm. and not let the ministries themselves rule out, even though we need them, mm. you know. And I will say this, one of the things I've noticed over the last week, just being sick, um, one of the things that I aim to do is to check on people when they're sick, just via text message. Nobody wants a phone call when they're sick, right? Just just send me a text. Let me know that you that you love me. You mean me. you didn't like when we were calling you? No, I did not. <laughs> Especially that day. That was terrible. <laughs> he was so sick, y'all. And we were working on some stuff for the church, and it was like, I, we have to talk to him. So we were calling him, and he's like, uh, I've got to go. <laughs> I'll call you back. There was literally I'm one leaking. point. There was one point where you called me. I hung up the phone, vomited, and called you back. Yes. Thank you for that. Wow. Um, commitment. Such commitment. Yeah. yeah. That's organic. No. Um, <laughs> but but I got I got multiple text messages from people that were checking on me. That were just, hey, how are you doing? Do you need anything? Your wife brought me saltines and Pedialyte pops, which, by the way, were lifesavers. He's pointing at me. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, and um, and so like that is organic. Like mm-hmm. if you if you put a ministry together, it's like check on check on people who are sick. It doesn't feel the same. Yeah, and you nope. assign someone it to does, do it. Yep. Yeah. 
It, it kind of ruins. It does ruin it. Yep. The love that would be lavished upon that individual mm-hmm. because it feels manufactured. Yep. yep. And feels is a bad word, but yeah. I, I believe it is manufactured in a sense. It is. Know? It is literally manufactured. Yeah. And I mean, they they may have a desire to do it, but there is something lovely when someone sends you a text message, text message, and you didn't assign them to the visitation committee. Yeah. Yep. All right. So equipping the saints. So at Mercy Hill, talking about our our website and our values and our distinctives. And Lawson, you already said it uh, in your phrase earlier, and I don't even know if you you realized it, but define for us these three distinctives, knowledge of God, steadfast love, and faithfulness. Like, why do we believe that the commitment to that as a, as a mission to carry out will, will flow through the people to actually produce what God calls good ministry. Yeah. So first, um, I think it's seen in scripture that those who grow in a knowledge of God grow in affection for him. Should it be a true knowledge? Mm. Um, and those who grow in affection for him grow in obedience to him. It seems to be the natural order of things. When you Mm. take passages like Hosea chapter four, when you look at, um, or really the book of Hosea, and then you look at like how John speaks of obedience, um, and how it's born of love, that, that the, the love of Christ is essentially what causes you to be obedient to him. Mm. Um, I, so, so when we planted this church, I had to establish measures for our, the church planning agency. And um, when I did, that, that was immediately where I went. And then also, just experientially, I had seen this. Mm. Um, and I had seen a number go from obedience to faithlessness instantly. Mm. But I really I really cannot recount to you anyone who I saw go from deep knowledge of God, love of him and obedience back into faithful faithlessness. For any mm. you know like people fall and stumble, mm. but I mean like it's that knowledge of God that births love and love love perseveres. 1 Corinthians mm. 13 makes this clear, right? Love never ends. Yeah, so th- these so I guess what I want to highlight, because this is really important for me, yeah. is to know that the love also produces desire for knowledge. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. It's a cycle, right? That's we, what sometimes we want to look at it like dominoes that yeah. fall, but yet they don't fall on each other. Yeah. Like these three things fall on yeah. each yeah. other. It, it is a cycle, right? And anything that you love, you long to know more more mm-hmm. of. Um, this is this is essentially the doctrine of affections. When we think about what we love, we pursue it. Um, and you pursue it because you want to know it more, and the basic gist of it is, as you know it more, you love it more. Mm-hmm. Um, and the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of our triune God is that he knows no exhaustibility. Mm-hmm. So I can dig, and I can dig, and I can dig, and I can dig, and all I'm going to come up with is a, is, a, is a deeper knowledge of him that produces gold, a deeper baby. love. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and as you, as you mine these riches... You, you find more and more to love, mm-hmm. and thus you become more and more obedient. Um, and so in an organic... So you're using the word obedient, but the, the, the word that we use is faithfulness. Yeah. So tie those two things together. When you're saying obedience and, and, yeah. and we use faithfulness, I think those words can be interchangeable. Yeah, so faithfulness is essentially being... It is, in essence, a concept of obedience, mm-hmm. um, but but a but an appropriate and I think even an affectionate obedience, like you being faithful to your spouse, mm-hmm. uh, isn't done begrudgingly, mm-hmm. right? It's done out of affection. And so, in the same way, when we grow in knowledge of God, when we grow in steadfast love of Him, we naturally long to obey Him and to submit to Him because mm-hmm. we love Him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's not drudgery mm-hmm. when He tells us. Um, 
have no other gods before me. Why would I ever have a God before you? You're lovely. So why would I, why would I place any idols before you? Um, and, uh, and so I think faithfulness and obedience are, are largely interchangeable as long as we look at obedience through an affectionate lens. Blake, do you see this? Like, I mean, sometimes I think about it in terms like his, 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 his burden is light. His yoke mm. is easy. You know, like like being enslaved, in a sense, to follow after him. But I do so because of you know out, out of steadfast love because yeah. I know the type of love that has been lavished upon mm. me. Like it's been it's been demonstrated. Yeah, I think a lot of the preaching I heard and kind of my mindset growing up was like, you you just got to do these things. Like discipline yourself. And without the the first part being, I know God, I know he loves me, I love him, my obedience or the doing of those things is birthed out of that. I mean, it led to, and even my own heart, led to legalism mm-hmm. um, if, if the order wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And then, but it could also just lead to being distraught. Like, I can't do it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I don't want to. Mm, and yeah. so I think the the knowledge leading to the love really empowers empowers that kind of easy. Easy is a, a strange word to use, but in a sense, it is easy obedience. Mm, mm. Uh, as difficult as it is, mm. like we're not creating the need for it. Um, so it moves me to ask about, we use the term MC, and it stands for Missional Communities. So, um, and I think this is a compliment, like, so we had, um, we had a family just recently join and the, the first really, uh, directive that we give is get involved. Right. I mean, we're like, even in our bylaws, it says we will assign you a missional community. <laughs> and I, I said the last new members class, I was like, that's not, that's not a reality. Like it's written. Like we, like we exercise that you by your own conscience, you know, based on driving time or schedule, like you'll choose one, um, but this, like the like the feedback I got was, man, like this is a real Bible study. Mm-hmm. Like I, was, I had someone text me, they were like, "So these, like you you study the Bible?" And I said, "Yes." You and he was like, "I'll be ready next time." Yeah, he was so, baffled. So it's it's just like it, to me, like, it's a real sweet like moment where you can gather, um, you know, in a home. Mm-hmm. Um, someone opens their home up, and there's a time of fellowship, and then there's a time where yeah. we take. Uh, the sermon that was preached on that Sunday, and we just talk about it, right? It's a facilitation. So my question is, just for open conversation, how are MCs a catalyst for Mercy Hill? I think it's so easy to tell, like how plugged in someone is based mm-hmm. off of their mercy, their missional community involvement, like, and to to know like there are people who are here who may not may not still be here apart from missional community Mm -hmm. like like that is the thing that was you know kind of glued them to together with Mm -hmm. us and it's there's so many reasons why but in that way i mean a lot of ways missional community is is the thing that that keeps us together Mm -hmm. relationally Mm -hmm. yeah i um there's a pattern and i think we, we we've talked about this and don't steal my thunder because i have a question at the end 
So the question is, how are MCs a catalyst for Mercy Hill? I know what you were going to okay, say. Okay, they're a catalyst for Mercy Hill for multiple reasons. Number one, they're a great way to invite people to come and to hear a good conversation. Uh, y'all, uh, Blake's missional community, for instance, had um, has had multiple people show up that were just invites from the neighborhood. Some come back, some don't. But, you know, every time they come, they're going to hear the gospel. And the last time uh, I was there in we were on. I don't. I don't even remember the subject, but I remember thinking, "I'm totally going to disregard the question that was just asked, and I'm just <laughs> going to share the gospel to everyone right now because I wanted this guy to hear it." And um, and I know that happens regularly. And so they're a catalyst for multiple reasons. One of which it is it does create a environment where you can get to know someone. Um, and you get to know them around Christ, mm-hmm. which I think is the great error of the word fellowship today. We think fellowship is just being in the same room mm-hmm. together. That's simply not the case. Uh, being in fellowship with one another means that we are fellowshipping around something that we are united in. Mm-hmm. And so if we're united in Christ, we need to be fellowshipping around him. Mm-hmm. Um, I have There are things that I do with people in this congregation that are, that are hobbies that I enjoy. Um, I like them, and I enjoy spending time with them. Um, I enjoy spending time with them when we are speaking of Christ more than I enjoy them at any other point mm. because my only true unity with them mm. is in Christ. Mm. And and so um, it essentially creates a catalyst for that and I think gives an even, even better perhaps launching pad to the one-on-one, two-on-two relationships yep. that we want to see flourish mm. inside of Mercy Hill, mm. which is where I think is the, the corporate worship is vitally important. God has commanded it. Uh, fellowship with believers is vitally important. God has commanded it. Discipleship and training is vitally important. God has commanded it. And I think that we often overlook one or the other. Um, and my aim and our aim is to see that none of those things get overlooked. Mm. But they can't be they can't be systematized to a degree where here's here's your plan, walk this plan, I'm assigning you to this person, this person will be your discipler. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so next question, uh, why are they open? Why are missional communities at Mercy Hill open to all ages? I feel like we've hit on this already a little bit, but do you have something you, you like you're ready to go? I mean, I just like our, our kids need to see people of all ages interacting around the gospel, Mm -hmm. but also to see that like this family that we have, this loving community Mm -hmm. that exists between us, it, it, it is something that's different than, any other relationship that you have in your life and that like there is there is this serious like aunt uncle relationship Mm -hmm. that you can see living out you know for younger and older father and mother even but like there there's just this distinct relationship that we see between between all ages just one thing i wanted to add um was last night we had some folks over to the house and uh had had dinner and uh, my wife was asking the couple before they left, will you be there Sunday? And the couple said, no, we, we won't be there. Um, and, you know, the, so we've got, we have a conflict of schedule or whatever. And um, I could tell, like, it wasn't, it wasn't answering the question, like, Julie was posing, like, <laughs> are you going to be there on Sunday? And I said, no, brother, like, we're having a fellowship. Like, we're not meeting at 6 for Mitchell Community. We're going to do it at 4 and we're having a cookout, and everybody's bringing sides, and Julie goes, yeah, that was my, are you going to be there? So it was just interesting to see, like, her ask a question that was like, of course we want you there on Sunday, 
but I really want you there at my house on Sunday night. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just, it's that unique, like, and I just thought it was like a peculiar example about yeah. like, I, I, I see you on Sunday. I definitely want to worship with you, but like I get community with you and fellowship in a different way, like a very unique way within the context of like, I want you here. I want you at both. And that's that hospitality, which is one of the reasons um, the home is actually like the physical location of the home is important mm-hmm. yep. um, because it creates that host- that hospitable environment that that can't be recreated anywhere else. You offering up your home to someone is in some degree sacrificial and it sacrifices essentially saying spending time with you is more valuable mm. than making sure that my house is spotless and clean, that I can go to bed at a reasonable time, that I don't have to labor. And let's be serious. Sundays are long days. Mm. Like they're blessed days. I love them. By the time Sunday's over, I'm like nine o'clock, I'm going to sleep mm-hmm. and it's going to be a blessed sleep because it's been a long day, but it's been a, it's been a great day based upon the fellowship that I've had. And even having people in my home or going to someone else's, you feel welcomed Yep. in a way, and, and loved in a way that just can't be recreated in a different location. So um, our congregation is probably in size around 150. We've been in existence, if you will, since uh, uh, fourth quarter 2017. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we, we've seen some some comings and goings, as any church would, right? Yeah. Some yeah. that come, and it's, you know, there's obviously we're we're not the only church in in DeSoto County and so there's obviously alternatives um but my but one thing i think that we've seen just as a leadership group is there's one common denominator <laughs> right there's this theme yeah. of hey you know i'm I, i'm going to move on but there seems to be like those that have left and moved on right not mm-hmm. not questioning their reasoning nor like what what God would have for them, but it seems like those, and Blake, you touched on it, like something that binds you mm-hmm. to the church here, the church as God's people, Mercy Hill, is being involved in a missional community. And the reality is like we have people who have availed their homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the response is you avail yourself. Yeah. There, there's, there is a yeah. one-to-one hospitality here. It's like if we have people in our midst that are willing to open their homes prepare their homes and say, come, it's not come to a select few, it's come to the whole congregation. And so just to be real, real clear, (laughs) the one common denominator that we've seen that those who have not perhaps stayed and weathered some storms, you know, is those who are not been involved in a missional community. Hmm. So Lawson, I I felt like that's what you were going to hit on. Yeah, there were, so you said two things there that I think are important. So one is to avail themselves to missional community. The other is to avail themselves to simply that last tier of interaction one-to-one. I'll come back to that one, but I want to do missional community first. Um, Early on in Mercy Hill, uh, in the life of Mercy Hill, I used to say, giving announcements that if you don't come to missional communities, you are missing half of Mercy Hill Church. Mm -hmm. And I, and I mean that, like that's, that's a true story. Um, because you're missing some things. Number one, I think you're missing the second half of a sermon. Yeah. Um, I think you are missing a conversation around the Word of God and the proclamation of it that is both helpful and just joyful. Um, and uh, and so you're missing that, but, but you are missing at the same time a fellowship of the saints that you can't replace because as much as Sunday morning is filled with all types of glories— but it really is not your best opportunity to get to know your brother and sister. 
Uh, but there, but here's what's interesting. There's an assumption inside the body of Christ that we are family. Hmm. And so if Sunday morning isn't the time where you're to get to know each other because it's the time for corporate worship, when is that supposed to be? Hmm. Uh, I think first it's supposed to be inside a, a group gathering, right? But secondly, it, it seems to indicate that there is true familial bonds that develop inside of a local church. And if those true familial bonds form, um, then, then you naturally avail yourself to any opportunity. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, not any and every, mm-hmm. but you take those opportunities mm-hmm. to spend time with brothers and sisters in Christ that are a part of your local body. Will you share the testimony of, of, of the lady who you had? Sorry, my pause was for just try to provide yeah. anonymity. There was a lady who you had uh, time spent with week before last, and she shared with you about she thought that the exclusivity... Do you remember this? Yeah, I'm with you, but finish your question that way. I know where, I'm, where we're going. She was just talking about the ex- exclusivity oh, yeah. of getting involved yeah. and being a part of the church. She thought that that was something in which was like... There's some glory there. Mm. Yeah, and I think this is really important. Um, so in our culture, in American Christian culture, um, there is an element to which I commonly refer to as fringe. Um, and, and this is not an insult. I'm not being hateful. Um, but it has been normative and I think even encouraged to be a fringe member of a church where you sign up for membership, you perhaps serve in the nursery or something like that. Um, and I, I, I have a relationship with a guy, a good friend of mine. He says he's a member of a church. He never goes and he gives online. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, le- and, that, and that's tragic because you are a fringe member of that body and you're really not a member of that body. Like you've signed the line. I'll be honest with you that you go under church discipline for that here. Hmm. Um, If you don't show up to a corporate worship and you give online, we're going to knock on your door. Um, But, you know, with that fringe element, it it is not, you don't, nobody enjoys that here Hmm. because we don't provide the things necessary for you to be fringe and comfortable. Mm -hmm. You're immediately going to feel like you are, uh, you're looking around. Everybody's having good and sweet fellowship with one another. They they love each other like brothers and sisters. And if you walk in the door and you don't have a desire to be a part of a family, um, then I think that you're betraying yourself. You're missing out on one of the sweetest elements you're of the Christian the faith. You're quenching. I, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, and uh, and so one of the the conversation that I had with this lady was saying that like there was a moment for me where I realized. That this church, she's saying, she's saying this, yeah. Um, Where she said there was a moment where I realized that, like, you have to, you have to earn entry into Mm. this family, and that's not like an earn entry into this family. Like, you have to do this, this, and this to be a part of it. It's that you have to avail yourself. Mm -hmm. You simply have to say, being a part of this body is valuable. That means I'm going to go to missional community and spend time with people. When someone asks me to go get coffee. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to go get coffee mm-hmm. um, because we believe in the priesthood of every mm-hmm. believer here, mm-hmm. which means that you going and getting coffee with someone is likely the spirit of God ministering to you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and we've, we, we've nullified this for the sake of easy entry and easy exit. It hurts. It hurts every single time someone leaves this congregation. Um, and I, I know it does for you. And, and I perhaps maybe even especially it does for me. Um, but there are people who have been a part of this congregation who have pled with, mm. be a part of a missional community, get involved, avail yourself when people ask you to lunch and to dinner, uh, speak of Christ around the table. But if they refuse, I know, I wait for it. There'll be a day 
where they'll walk out the door. They'll give and they'll give a reason, uh, and, and it, perhaps it is that their reason is valid, or perhaps it's the last straw. But in essence, every single time that's happened, it's been because of a a not every occurrence, but many have been because they just would not avail themselves to the family of God mm. that is here. And so this this particular person that you were having time with and yeah. you were sharing it with me says, and then I realize when you do that, yeah. that we are really family. Really family. And you will be loved. Yeah. yeah. And you so don't have just, a choice. You're loved. Yeah. It's like yeah. you're and I think yeah. what you're saying, Lawson, is like to hear a reason, a valid reason, right, that someone would find another biblical church and move on. Yeah. Like, we rejoice in that. I've heard yeah. you say, like, hey, there's five or six other churches that we recommend. We recommend Glad to boldly, recommend them. right? Yep. But I think reality is, like, to hear someone leave and know that they did not get involved in missional community, you know, it. Th- there's a moment of conscience for us that says, man, that's a regret. I yeah. hate that you didn't get to participate yeah. in what we see is so beautiful. Yeah. And so it's just a moment where it's like, man, I just think there's a moment of regret. What's crazy is I is we can... I think you see this, that we can normally see this in the first month or two. In the first month or two, um, people who are going to avail themselves to the community have. Mm. And one of the things that I love is I can think of like, sorry, a very loud car just drove by. Um, a, um, we can see this really quickly because I can think of I can think of three families that are in our church right now that have joined in the last three months that are family. Mm-hmm. It happens that fast um, that the moment they walk in the door and and they say, we want to be here, we mm-hmm. want to love this community and we want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. There is no, like the barrier to entry, like I said, is not credentials mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's saying we're here. And the moment that comes out of your mouth or perhaps better yet is demonstrated by your action, mm-hmm. you will be given great love, great affection, great care, and you'll be a part of this body. So in conclusion, I have a scripture from God's word, and it's 1 Peter 3, 8. And it says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. So with that, I want to thank my fellow elders, Blake McCullough and Lawson Harlow, and to tell our members, please hurry in and get involved in a home-based missional community because drinks are on the house. My (laughs) brothers and my friends, Godspeed.